0: Well Amen. Welcome uh, to Lake Avenue Church. If you are new with us, um, we're just really grateful that you would join us on this first Sunday of Advent. Uh, to those of you who uh, call Lake Avenue Church your church, your home, your family, I just want to declare to you some good news. For unto us a child has been born. And yes, I'm talking about Jesus ultimately. But I am so grateful to announce the birth of a new staff baby, a baby boy, our sweet, sweet Theodore Ramsey, Theodore, Robert Ramsey. I think we have a photo of him. He was born the day after Thanksgiving. If some of you have no idea who the Ramsey family is, uh, if you appreciate anything about what this church has been doing over this pandemic season, you might have heard the name. Oh, there he is. Oh, Theodore, we love you already. Ah oh. Uh, Chris is our interim director of strategy. We didn't have that job before the pandemic, and he's much more than that. Uh, Chris is, in many ways, Chris Ramsey and Tiffany Reynoso are my right and my left when it comes to the daily leading of this congregation. We are going to miss Chris tremendously over the next month, but we are so grateful uh, for, uh, for the, the birth of this baby boy. Uh, and all reports are that mom and dad uh, are doing well. And um, I, I just want to say, if you have a child born in your family, and in normal circumstances, you would just show me a picture or let me hold this child, uh, would you send me an email so we can celebrate the birth of that grandchild or great grandchild or child? Uh, we want to enter these special moments for all of us. And if I was to hold uh, Theodore in the hospital, I'm sad that I can't. I would say the same thing I say every time I hold a new baby, I would say it'd be a charge, and I would say, Theodore, Yahweh is God and Jesus is his son. And our prayer is that you will grow up to proclaim and live out these truths in your life. And so from our heart to the Ramsey family, we love him already. We can't wait to dedicate him someday to the Lord. We begin Advent today. Our series comes from a beautiful line of a beautiful Christmas carol. Our series as a whole is called The Weary World Rejoices, and it is such a beautiful song, and it is such a hope-filled song that oftentimes, if we're honest, these lyrics of these rich songs, especially O Holy Night, just flow in such beauty and harmony that the richness of these texts can be missed. Jeremy already did a fabulous job uh, declaring what I want to declare to you throughout this whole series is that in our faith as followers of Jesus, listen to the lyric rejoicing and weariness go side by side. In our faith of following Jesus, the reality of the weary world we live in is right alongside the rejoicing that happens because Jesus has come into this world and into our lives. Listen to these lyrics. Long lay the world in sin and error pining. That weariness, that heaviness, that darkness, till till he appeared and the soul felt its worth, joy. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morning, side by side, weariness and rejoicing. Our themes of Advent are the traditional themes that the Christian church celebrates this time of year. They're represented on this Advent wreath behind me. They're themes of hope and peace and joy and love. And we will go at it that way as we do every year. As we look at these themes, very different from where we've been, if our, our, our thematic teaching is very different from, say, eight weeks in the book of James or our summer in the parables and the Proverbs where we sit in one text and we, we move through it kind of methodically to understand the depth of, of the writing or of what's happening in that particular book. In these next four weeks and on Christmas Eve, we will be in different texts around these traditional themes of Advent, also marking them through beautiful Christmas carols. I think Scott White is the only one on our staff who doesn't like Christmas carols as much as the rest of us. I love Christmas carols and I am ready for them now. Coast uh, 103 was a little ahead of me this year, but I'm ready for them now. And thank you to the worship team for singing my favorite Christmas carol, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. My wife's devotional and Jeremy gave a, a beautiful uh, original definition of Advent from my devotional my wife is using right now. It says that Advent is a time to prepare hymn room and to orient our hearts, homes, and minds to the ungraspable magnitude and true meaning of Christmas. And that's the journey. I pray that you will not just be on with us today, but the journey you will be on in coming days. Today, we will jump into hope. And man, we need hope. I've been thinking a lot about uh, the best gift I've ever received, the physical gift. Obviously the best gift I've ever received is the gift of Jesus or the gift of Jenny Matisich into my life or these beautiful boys. But that, that, that when I unwrapped it, when I was moved, and I've shared this story before, it was uh, late into my uh, teens. I think I was 19 or 20 years old. And my father gave me a KitchenAid mixer. It was unexpected. I was very excited about getting this KitchenAid mixer. I knew that every cooking show I've ever watched, there's a KitchenAid mixer. I also knew that they were very expensive and I knew that it would be years before I would have my own KitchenAid mixer. And when I unwrapped that gift, I was so surprised and I was so moved by it that I kept it in the box and did not touch it for a couple of years. I was too nervous to bring it out. I had roommates at the time. I didn't want them to to do anything to it. Um, I I knew that I wanted this and I was grateful for it, but I also wanted to save it. Because if I was to bring it out, (laughs) then something could happen to it. And I I remember, uh, I used to think it was just for mixing, baking things, and the more I read about it and saw the accessories you could get, that I could make bread with it. It wasn't just to make brownie mix happen quicker. It has so many possibilities. And so while it was sitting in the box, I would start watching the cooking shows differently to see all the different uses that it had. And I was proud to know that somewhere in my home, I had this amazing machine that if I ever decided to bring it out of the box and use it, it could do more than what I ever imagined it could do. I had hope that one day, one day, I would be comfortable enough to bring this beautiful appliance out of its box into my life and start using it. Now, I tell you this story because I believe there is striking similarities between how I viewed my KitchenAid mixer to how many of us view Christmas and the Christmas season and the gift of Jesus. I think for many of us who come to church or come to church this time of year, there's, a, there's, an, there's an awe. We, we, we love Christmas time. In fact, some of you are so encouraged that, oh my gosh, they decorated the worship center. Thank you. The the scene, the lights, the nostalgia, the tradition. There's some beauty to this time of year. Very, very literally in our homes, we box up Christmas, put it away for many times, uh, many months of the year, bring it out, set it up. And we enter into this season with gratitude. But the truth is we enter it in all of its tradition, all of its aesthetic, all of its beauty for a season, but then what ends up and what can happen is that this gift of Christmas then gets packed up, gets put away, and we, and we don't use it to its fullest. Christmas is viewed a lot, like the way I viewed that KitchenAid, kept in boxes that come out for a season, grateful, yes, but never fully using it. I think there was a great difference in that KitchenAid. I knew what it could do, but I had yet to experience it for myself. And in the same way, the gift of Jesus for so many, understanding intellectually how the story goes. I know the story of Christmas, and yet I struggle to experience the power of Christmas in my life. Why does it work this way? Why does this happen? Why is it that for us great gifts and the gift of Jesus is something that we might know a lot about, but at the end of the day have very little experience with? Because I think well-intentioned and sometimes not so well-intentioned people, churches, writers, bloggers, take something so simple and beautiful and make it so Complicated. And the text we'll be looking at is in Galatians. There's really three verses that summarize this amazing gift of Christmas in, in its full, fullness. But what was happening in Galatians, and it, it happens to us, but here was their context. If you remember in Acts 15, one of the first councils, Council of Jerusalem, and the main question that they were struggling with. You had Jewish Christians who knew Yahweh, who knew God from the Old Testament. From the Old Covenant, they have met Jesus, seen Jesus as the fulfillment of this Old Covenant, and now they follow Jesus. Jewish Christians, and God has gone global, and now all these Gentiles are coming to faith in Jesus, and the central question that was happening in Acts 15 was how Jewish does a Gentile need to be to be considered a Christian? How Jewish does a Gentile Christian have to be to be considered a Christian? Basic question. And the things they struggled with, well, does he need to, do these people need to dress like we need to dress? Do they need to eat the way the old covenant told us to eat? Do they physically need to have circumcision, the men to, to, to demonstrate their commitment to God and to Jesus. And there was a whole council where they were debating this main issue of how Jewish someone, a Gentile needed to be, to be considered a Christian, a Christian. And, and they end in verse 19, it is my judgment, therefore that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. And when Galatians is written, the reality is Jewish Christians were continuing to make it difficult for Gentile Christians to flourish, to live as Christians without confusing the gift of Jesus. Now, before we judge this as some historical interest that has no real relevance for us today, Maybe the question for us isn't how, how Jewish does somebody need to be to be considered a Christian culturally? Maybe the central question, at least for those of us who come to church, who are part of a church, is how church does somebody need to be to become a Christian? I think the same things apply. I mean, if we were sitting here in worship and somebody came in and they weren't dressed in the right clothes that we believe to be acceptable culturally, At Lake Avenue Church, would we question their faith? Uh, How someone speaks, the language they use, uh, the the slang they use, how church does somebody need to be to be considered a Christian? Uh, How someone dresses, how they speak, how they vote, how they use their money. I mean, whatever the list is now, you and I being on the insider part of faith, Often have to ask the question, what are we putting in front of other people so that they might, what's making it difficult for them to give their lives to Jesus? So as much as I want to judge this historically and go, man, we're we're past that, I, I don't know. Because if you are the one being compared, if you're not in that dominant group, it's hard to have hope that you will ever fit in. It's hard to have hope that this gift of Jesus is for you in its purity with all, without all the other strings attached. The text today will help us understand clearly, clearly and simply, just what Christmas is about and what God has done for us apart from any other thing that others might want to attach to this gift of Jesus. If you have a copy of the scriptures, I invite you to stand for the reading of God's word. We will be in Galatians chapter four. I'm going to read one through seven, but I really want you to pay attention to four to six, give some observations and we'll get you on with your day. Galatians chapter four, starting verse one. What I am saying is that as long as as long as an heir is under age, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. The heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So, also, when we were under age, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. Here's where I want you to listen. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship because you are his sons. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba father. So you're no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God made you also an heir. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. All of God, for all of you, in all time and all times. Yeah, I have no slides today, so you have to remember this. All of God, for all of you, for all time and all times. That's what Galatians is teaching us. All of God, for all of you, for all time and all times. This is Christmas. Uh, Read with me, all of God, specifically in verses four to six. All of the triune God given for you, given for me. God reaching out in his fullness as Father, Son, and Spirit. Notice in verse four God sent his Son. But when the time, when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Let's look at this really briefly. When the set time had fully come, God in his time, Now you can read all kinds of commentaries that are going to tell you why this particular moment, this particular year where the Roman empire was and how the roads were going, it was just prime for Jesus to come because then the gospel could be spread. And I think that's interesting and and probably very true. But the point I think that Paul is making here is that it is God's time that God works And it's in his perfect time that he sent his son. You and I are alive in 2020, where this happened over 2000 years ago. And God's timing of that has reached to us today. His time, when the time set had fully come, he sent his son. Two details, born of a woman, born under the law. Really important, especially as we get to for all of you. All of God, the triune God, sent his son, born of a woman, fully God, yet fully human. This is important because it connects to the very next descriptor, born under the law. That God sent his son, born of a woman, fully God, fully human, under the law, under the the law, the Torah, the Mosaic law. If you were reading Galatians prior to chapter four, you're seeing Paul do this kind of Old Testament history about the old covenant and Abraham and and Moses and all these different kind of people of our faith who came around and established this law because it was through the law that we could have relationship with God. And yet there was this promise in the Old Testament that one day the Messiah would come, a savior would come, fulfill the law, something that no human being can do on their own. But because he sent his son, who is fully human, fully God, born of a woman, he enters life on earth, in human flesh, under the law. Under the law. Jesus as Paul will say, is the fulfillment of everyone who has come before. And he he comes under the law to fulfill the law. More on that in a moment. So all of God, God sends his son, father, son. Verse six, God sends his spirit. All of God, father, son, and spirit. After he talks about becoming heirs and adopted, he says in verse six, because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba Father. Christmas, we remember, we celebrate that God sends his son to this baby boy born in Bethlehem. But God's fullness also comes in the sending of his spirit. Christmas begins that sending that will ultimately be the fullness all of God as Jesus ascends and the spirit comes down on the disciples in that upper room and what Galatians is communicating is all of God son father and spirit being sent where into our hearts Into our very lives. And this Abba Father piece is critical. But we'll get to that in a moment. Because he doesn't just send his son. And his spirit as like a force in this world. He sends his spirit into our very hearts. To have a very specific relationship. For us with him. So all of God. Gift of Christmas. The sending of the son. The sending of the spirit. For all of you. Verse 5 to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. All of you, all of me, being God sending his son, sending his spirit, so that we might be redeemed and adopted. Two massively important words for a follower of Jesus. At Christmas, we celebrate the beginning of this baby coming to the world for our redemption and our adoption. Redemption. This is why under the law was critically important. I mean, Paul is using an image of slave to an heir. And what he's communicating is that we have a slave identity because we can never live up to the law. But Jesus, born of a woman, born under the law, is willingly and joyfully obeying the law for you and for me on our behalf redeeming us from this state of slavery to becoming an heir, paying off debt, In this particular context of slavery, there was often a debt connected to why you would be a a servant in that way, a slave in that way. And the Redeemer would come to the auction, essentially, where the slaves were sold, they would pay off the debt, and then they would set that slave free. And that is ultimately that same image of what Jesus does for you and me. This is now we're getting into the box, right? We're pulling Jesus out of the box, more than just a little baby and a manger, but the one who comes to pay off our debt joyfully and willingly to move us from a slave to an heir, a new identity. And, and here's what's beautiful about the gift of redemption. We do nothing. We just receive. A free gift, this is grace. But you and I, getting back to that same tension, don't we add to this for other people all the time? So yes, accept Jesus, understand he's paid off your debt and then make sure you start doing certain things and looking a certain way. I remember a couple of years ago, I was in line, uh, the drive through line at Starbucks and I'm sure many of you have had this experience and some of you provide this experience. And I get up to the window to get my coffee and they hand it to me and say, Hey, the car in front of you has paid for your coffee. So you're good and free to go. I was, I was moved. I was quite moved and, and, and I didn't know who that person was. I doubt they knew who I was come to find out there were churches in town telling their congregations to do that. So I guess I'm telling you to do that if you can, because it's very moving. To have something, you owe something. I owe 295. It was taken care of. I did nothing to deserve it except got in line at the right time. And it's the same kind of redemption that Jesus brings to redeem those under the law, paying off our debt. But not just redemption, adoption. And this is the relational side of redemption. Moving from slaves to heirs. Paul is saying, you're part of a new family your legal standing with God, your separatedness because the law, you can't live it, fulfill it. And there's consequences of that. Jesus has taken care of that, but it's not that we are then void from intimacy or relationship with God. We have a new family, a new family table. Adoption now legally. God's children, heirs to all that God has. If we were to use the adoption language of the courts, all the rights and privileges that come with being a part of this family are given to you and to me. This is the gift of Jesus, not just redemption, but adoption, the relational flip side of redemption. Essentially becoming a new person with a new identity from a slave, not to just a good slave, Right? But to a an heir. And I love what Ray Ortland Junior says. He says, uh, you become part of this rowdy family. We're we're a rowdy family. And and yes, we are. But it's our family and it's our identity. So all of God, the fullness of the triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit sent for all of you for our redemption and for our adoption for all time and all times. Listen to verse six, because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. Now, understand that our redemption and our adoption has an eternal reality, that we have a seat at God's table forever in the church and in faith, we talk about this heaven that when we die, we'll be in paradise and eternity with God forever. This is one of those messy things that can get skewed because redemption and adoption, yes, they have a forever reality. Amen. So yes, and loudly, we say all of God for all of me for all time, but redemption and adoption have a daily reality as well. Look at verse six and just see how much God has given for you and for me daily. Because you are his sons, God sent his spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out Abba Father. The Holy Spirit given to you and me to dwell in our own human lives and human heart. Our life here and now. So yes, amen for all time. But the presence of God given to us for all times into our daily minute by minute lives. This is deeply practical and deeply personal. When Paul says, Abba Father, Jesus used Abba Father one time in the Gospel of Mark. It was in the garden of Gethsemane. When he says, going a little further, farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if it's possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba Father, he said. Everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but you will. Jesus, in his time of distress, in his time where the human experience was weighing heavy on him, he turned and addressed God as his Abba Father. The same kind of addressing that happens when my nine-year-old runs up to me when he wants a hug from his dad. That image of father, son, child, father is is this gift that God gives us through the spirit so that in our times of distress on this earth, we can turn and run to our Abba father. My children are getting older and I don't take for uh, granted that when they're in their distress, And they call out for me and run to me. I know I'm on numbered days. What's so amazing to me is that whatever the issue was, when they come to me and I hold them, we don't actually have to talk about the issue all the time before they are able to calm down. That just being in my presence and in my arms brings a level of comfort. This is the gift that God gives you and me. In our times of distress, the spirit of God that calls out to dad lives in us so that we might run to the arms of God. See how this is all of God for all of us for all time and all times, especially in those difficult moments. See, this is Christmas, Lake Avenue Church. This is what hope looks like. For you, yes, yes. But for others, yes, yes, yes. My encouragement to you and me as we enter this Christmas season, and I and I understand we're living in times of distress. I I do think it's worth asking the question: have you run to ABBA Father? Are you running to headlines? Are you running to elections? Are you, are you running to pundits and other things that will bring you comfort or have you as the spirit of God in you led you to run to the arms of your father in a time of distress? And do you understand the gift of Christmas is all of God given for all of you for all time and all times, even a time of pandemic. This is going to be a different Christmas. Yes. But the gift of Christmas is no different. Lake Avenue Church, and if you're visiting with us, I'm speaking to our church folk for a moment. What would it look like over the next four weeks or so that we should not make it difficult for others to understand the gift of Christmas in Jesus? This Christmas, let's focus on the gift all of God for all of you for all time and all times each week we will light a different candle on this Advent wreath and our, our, our um, candle this week is the week of hope what we've seen in this text and what we can hear in Christmas song after Christmas song is the thrill of hope That sits right alongside a weary world. The the weariness is known. Uh, Talk to anyone at any store or any chat room or, or any person in your life. You will hear weariness, but not everybody. Holds the thrill of hope next to that weariness. And that's our job as the people of God. To acknowledge the weary world we live in. But to share the thrill of hope that we have in Jesus. Because all of God was given for all of you and me, for all time and all times. I'm going to close our time of teaching with a time of reflection. Each week we'll have a different creative piece over Advent being led out by our family ministry team to give you space, one, to enjoy the gifts of those in our family, but to also give you space to reflect what Jesus might be saying to you today. So enjoy this, and I'll be up after. Pearl Brandow on cello, an 11th grader at Marshall High School. Ryan Hunt, a senior at LaSalle, dancing, doing art, declaring right there in the heart of our city the thrill of hope in the midst of a weary world. I don't know where God is placing you, especially during a lockdown especially during quarantine. But I know this, that each one of us have been given all of God for all of ourselves for all time. And this Christmas might we be as bold as these two young women have been to find our way to declare to others just where our hope comes from. I wanna remind you that during Advent, Yes, we'll continue to stream, but we also have our 1130 AM service in our parking lot. Very different, very simple. I invite you, especially if you feel comfortable to come, never wanting you to come if you don't feel comfortable. Um, But during this Advent, whether you invite someone to come to our service in the parking lot, or you send a link of these services, or you give them your life and your ear, this is a season for us to prepare Him room in our lives and our homes, not just so that we can keep Him in the box for ourselves, but to open up the box of Jesus, the gift of God, and declare the thrill of hope to the weary world around us. Go in peace and live by faith. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, the fellowship and communion of the Holy Spirit be with you now in life everlasting. Amen.